Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would open up the Word of God to us today. Help us to understand what truth is. Help us to know just not information, but help us to be obedient and have life transformation. And may it happen in all of our lives today. In your name we pray. Amen. Just just one second. I'll, I'll be right back. If commercial break, if 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 you. Bryn, do we have to push anything on this? It just comes in automatically. Okay. Um, our last home football game is today at 1 o'clock for the Cozwill. If you've seen the commercials on TV and posters for the big, important Cozwill America T football. So um, if you'd like to come, we'd love to have you at, at Swolianska. My job is to coach you and to help you win the eternal Super Bowl. Everybody up. Let's go. Come on, exercise. Get up. I'm serious. I'm the coach. Get up. Let's go. All right. All right. Reach. Up high. Okay, touch your knees. Up high. Touch your knees. Touch your toes. <laughs> okay. I want you to shake two hands on the right, two hands on the left. Quick, 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 quick. Faster, faster, faster. Let's go. All right. Two hands. Now I want you to scratch two backs. Scratch two backs. Scratch two backs. Okay. Faster, faster. Quick, quick. She's looking at me like, whoa. Okay, reach for the sky. I want you to say, praise the Lord. Put your hands down again. Reach for the sky. Praise the Lord. Everyone sit. Now take and check your pulse. I want to know, I want to know how, hard your fast rate, or how fast your heart rate is and to see if you're in condition. If you're going to be on our team, then you have to be in condition. The church is like a professional soccer team. 50,000 spectators desperately needing exercise. And 22 men on the field desperately needing rest. Too many spectators, not enough participators. Sadly to say, people come to the church to watch the professional pastor. They want to be spectators for some reason. They don't want to be participators. We have two big problems in in the local church. We have burned out leaders and untapped saints in the stands. The burned out leaders is the problem of too few working, doing too much work. At one time, we had the 70-30 rule where 30% would do the work for the 100%. We never have had everybody working as God intends. But sadly to say, we've gone from 30% carrying the load, we've gone to just 10%. 10%. And so today's challenge is the 90% sitting in the stands, watching the soccer game, the football game, the pastor. We want to challenge you to get out of the stands today, onto the field, and play the game. Now, you're going to have to help me because soccer is something I read out of a book in America. I coached my little kids, but I've never played the sport. 
So you have a goalie. And what do you call the people in front of the goalie? Defenders. Right? What do you call the people in the, the, the center of the field? Midfielders. What do you call the people that play a long ways from the goalie? Forwards. Are, are they all called the forwards? Striker, center forward, forwards, okay. Okay. Now, if the rule is true that 10% do the work for the 100% and there's 11, on the, 11 players on the soccer team, that means the goalie's all by himself. The defenders, the midfielders, the forwards, they're all sitting in the stands. Do you eat hot dogs? Do you drink pop? Do you, do you drink, eat chips? Or I don't know what in, in European Africa, a part of the world, that, that, that people eat when they're sitting in the stands. Um, but the rest of the team quit. And the poor goalie, now imagine this. The goalie had to get in the middle of the field for the drop center. He had to kick it. Then he had to run all the way back to his goal to make sure it wouldn't be scored. Then he had to come up to defense. Then he had to run up and try to, to dribble the ball down as a forward down the field. Oh, no, the guy stole it. He had to run all the way back to play defense. Then he had to run back to play goalie. Wow. He did that for give quarters or period? Half. Thank you. It tells, it tells you I'm, I'm out of my mama. If you were Americans, I'd be using football right now as an illustration where the quarterback does everything, but I'm trying to make it work with the goalie. So, so the goalie has to do everything. And finally, the goalie is absolutely, he quits, he's discouraged, he's tired, he goes, sits down. Oh, man, uh, my name is Kent McKinnon, and I should have done that at the very beginning. I guess I did. Uh, um, and uh, almost 40 years ago, uh, we went to seminary. And sadly to say, the majority of my seminary graduates are no longer in ministry. They've got discouraged, they got burnt out, and, uh, and sadly to say, a very high percentage of pastors quit and leave the ministry every year. Now, would you, this is sadly to say what, what the typical church, because they don't understand the Bible, expects from their pastor. How many of you would like to apply to be a pastor? Okay? Here's an advertisement. Now, Depot, you want to be in ministry. So I want to know, Gifo, if you think this advertisement is something that you would like to, like, to, like to do. It says, wanted, minister for growing church. A real challenge for the right man. Opportunity to become better acquainted with people. Applicant must offer experience as shop worker, office manager, educator at all levels, including college, artist, salesman, diplomat, writer, theologian, politician, Boy Scout leader, children's worker, minor league athlete, psychologist, vocational counselor, psychiatrist, funeral director, wedding consultant, master of ceremonies, circus clown, missionaries, social worker. It says the applicant must have experience in all those areas. So what does that tell you about what the average church thinks one pastor should be able to do? He must know all about problems of birth, marriage, and death. Also conversant with the latest theories and practices in areas like pediatrics, economics, and nuclear science. The right man will hold firm views on every topic, but is careful not to upset anyone who disagrees. He must be forthright, but flexible. 
returns criticism and backbiting with Christian love and forgiveness. He should have an outgoing, friendly disposition at all times. He should be a captivating speaker and an intent listener. Education must be beyond Ph.D. requirements, but always concealed in a homespun modesty and folksy talk. Able to sound learned at all times, but most of the time talks and acts like good old Joe. Familiar with literature read by average congregation. Must be willing to work long hours, subject to call any time or day or night. Adaptable to sudden interruption. Will spend at least 25 hours preparing sermon. Additional 10 hours reading books and magazines. Applicant's wife must be both stunning and plain. <laughs> Smartly attired, but conservative in appearance. Gracious and able to get along with everyone, especially women. <laughs> must be willing to work in church kitchen, teach Sunday school, babysit, run the copy machine, wait tables, never listen to gossip, and never become discouraged. The applicant's children must be exemplary in conduct and character, well-behaved, yet basically no different from other children, decently dressed. Opportunity for applicant to live close to work, furnished home provided, open-door hospitality enforced. Must be ever mindful the house does not belong to him. Directly responsible for views and conduct to all church members and visitors. Not confined to direction or support from any one person. Salary not commiserate with experience or need. No overtime pay. All replies kept confidential. <laughs> and lastly, it said, anyone applying will undergo full investigation to determine your sanity. <laughs> we, we laugh at this. But sadly to say, that is the expectation of the average local church when they, hire, when they hire a pastor. I don't think they've ever read what the Bible has to say about it. So we've got, we've got those that get burned out, like the goalie trying to do it all, or the pastor that's trying to do it all. The second big problem are, is it's the wasted energy. And I'm speaking to the 10% who are now serving, but serving in the wrong area. They're serving with good intentions, and they're, 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 their wheels are spinning. They're working hard at the wrong task or with the wrong gift. Did you hear what I said? Each of you has been given a spiritual gift at the point of salvation. And PIC wants to help you find your spiritual gift so you can serve at PIC. But you can have the gift and yet be in the wrong place. Now, big tackles for American football are 325 pounds. They're huge. Little running backs to carry the ball are 200 pounds, and they're fast. Now, the big lineman has been given the gift of size and strength, and the little runner has been given the speed and where do you think, oh boy, you don't know, probably don't know even American football. So I was going to say, what would happen if we put this big lineman in the backfield and we ask him to run the ball? <laughs> I think everybody could catch him, right? Okay. Or we take this little, little running back who's got this huge guy in front of him. So 
make sure we find the gift and we put it in the in the right area. Every church has a has a cry for Sunday school teachers. And typically the churches in, in, in my past, nobody wants to do the junior high. They're 11, 12, 13 years old. They're wild Indians. They're, they're just hard and unruly. And nobody wants to go in there. And so we needed someone. So we said, oh, come on, please. Please serve the Lord. Please be a oh, sacrifice. And Sandra said, okay, I'll do it. And then we take them. We hand them the curriculum. We throw them into the classroom. And we don't see them for nine months till the school year's over. At the end of that time, Cannon comes out, hands the curriculum back, and he says, I will never do ministry again. It's too painful. And he goes and sits up in the stands. So we've got to make sure that we help people to know what their spiritual gift is, and then we help them to, to find the right place so that they're, they're, they're not wasting the energy and also getting exhausted. The Protestant Reformation, someone tell me about the priesthood of the believer. What does that phrase mean, the priesthood of the believer? Because that's what it's all about today. Priesthood of believer. Somebody, somebody think they can explain that? Oh, come on, you guys know that. Priesthood of the believer. Somebody tell me. Some of you theologians out there, I'll, you can now step up because nobody else spoke. So somebody tell me. Bryn, what's the priesthood of the believer? Richard, tell me what the priesthood of the believer. Patrick, Marchin, Bill. Really? You, you. Okay, my wife, of, of, we just celebrated our 39th wedding anniversary. And uh, so she is my in-house scholar. So, so uh, tell me, honey, what is the priesthood of the believer? All right, good, all right, okay. Tell me, tell me, in the Protestant Reformation, for a thousand years, Christianity took a left turn and got away from Bible truth. And one of the truths in that period of time was only the priest, the, the, the religious priest is qualified to do ministry. Only the religious priest can stand up here and talk and do rituals and ceremonies and things like that, okay? When the Protestant Reformation started pulling that group back in towards the Bible, they said, because we got out of whack, let's, let's now clarify where the problem was, and they called it the priesthood of the believer. And we will talk in a minute, but every one of you are believer priests. Every one of you are in ministry. Every one of you are saved to serve. Okay? And that's, that's something that has gotten lost in, in history, and it, it came back after the Reformation. Every believer, uh, there's no clergy-laity divide. Every believer has a job on the team. 100% of the team must be active in playing the game. The pastor leader's job is to coach the team. If you would take out your, your, your bulletin insert, um, first point. First point, the top priority of the 
uh, divine mandate is equipping the saints. The pastoral team must be committed to obey this mandate. But I said, well, where does the Bible talk about it? Where does the Bible teach what, what we're talking about here? If you have your Bible, open up to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I like PowerPoint and I hate PowerPoint. I like PowerPoint because it's visual. It's right here. You can follow along. But I hate PowerPoint because we become dependent upon the PowerPoint instead of bringing our Bible to church on Sunday morning, on opening the Bible up, taking your pen or pencil and circling words and marking and putting notes in the side. I find when you write in your Bible, and I do, when I write in my Bible, it goes to my brain and to my heart. If I just sit and read the PowerPoint, it only kind of gets rattles around in my brain and it flies out my one ear. And when I walk out of here, I don't remember anything. Hardly, sadly, hardly anything. Um, more when you preach, of course. But, but, but uh, so, so please bring your Bibles. Please bring them. Please underline. Please circle. And it's fun. It's fun to open it up and see what God's been teaching you over the last months and years. And so I'll, I'll, I'll quit preaching on that subject. Uh, Ephesians 4, it says, God gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Uh, in, in this passage, in, in just verses prior to that, it talks about the giving of gifts to individuals. Now it's talking about giving gifted people to the body of Christ to serve the body. And... Uh, the, the original ones, the apostles, prophets, were, were the New Testament. The, the, the New Testament, the early church, was founded upon them. The evangelist is the, those that would be, say, a missionary. Uh, he goes out and witnesses. Maybe the apostle Paul, that, that, type, of, that type of activity that, that's out there. And all of the first three are the, for the universal impact of, of the church of Christ. The fourth one, and gave some as pastors and teachers, that has to do with the local church. That has to do with growth. Now, there is something in Greek called a Granville Sharp Rule. Granville Sharp Sharp Rule. It's one person with two functions. So the question is, is this two separate people? Or is this one person with two jobs or two titles? I happen to believe that, it's, that the Greek would say that it's one person with two responsibilities that, 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 he carry, that he carries out. And that's the way I will be dealing with it, with it today. Verse 12, for, the, for, for the, the equipping of the saints. When you see the word for, what does the word for indicate? Purpose. Okay? So he says, I'm giving you pastor teachers for the purpose of what? What does it say? Equipping the saints. Okay? So why... Our pastors in churches, they're there to equip the saints. That has gotten lost. That's gotten confused. That's gotten totally, totally. Then it goes on. Why do we want to equip the saints? Then he uses another word for. Why do we want to equip the saints? The work of them. No, wait a minute. You put your money in the offering, and that's what you pay the pastor to do all the work of the ministry, right? passage say? You guys are so quiet. When you, when, the more we get, to, I like it when you interact. It's fun. It's fun to get you riled up. And, and so, 
The equipping of the saints is for the work of the ministry. In a moment, we'll find out Pastor Richard is the pastor and you are the ministers. And this might be radical, but this is exactly what it says and it tells us what our responsibility is. And then it goes on to, or also another possible four, the building up of the body of Christ. This is the, the main point. The, 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 uh, the big idea is pastors are to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Verse 13, how long until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God? Keep going up to a mature man or person or woman until you reflect Christ to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Verse 13 is one that will go on until Jesus comes back again uh, because of our sin nature and the world and the devil and everything else. We will constantly be striving. Uh, but yet, we, we have an intentional direction we should be going. Verse 14. As a result, we're going to see, we're gonna see the, the, the two aspects, the, the childish behavior and the adult mature behavior that's in a local church. Verse 14. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and, and defeat, deceitful scheming. So, so apparently, in the body of Christ, we have wolves where, looking like sheep, wolves looking like pastors, wolves looking like teachers. They, and they want to come in and they want to, <clears throat> they want to deceive you. And they want to have you throw out. And, 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 and sadly to say that, that the church for that thousand-year period of time, we got, we got away because we got away from the Bible. And so how do you tell a truth person from a deceitful person? The only way you'll know is, what does the Bible say? And if you know the Bible, you'll be protected from error and from heresy. And so children up and down, and, and he says, no, that's not. But verse 15 is, but, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. Verse 16 have you ever put a puzzle together? You like puzzles? Do you ever let your children play with the puzzles? Do you ever find pieces of the puzzle are not put back in the box? And then you go out the next time to put the puzzle together and you work for an hour. You've got a 300-piece puzzle. And all of a sudden, this piece is missing and this piece is missing. And you say, where did those pieces go? You can't complete the puzzle unless all the puzzle pieces are there. That's what this verse is saying. For whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. Every, a joint is a connection point. And so we need to be connected to everybody here at, at, at PIC. And we have, we have a, a whole, uh, uh, a healthy body when, when, it's, when it, every joint supplies. According to the proper working of each individual part, which causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. How many... Who are you? You look like you'd be a good heart. You, 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 you have, you have, John, you look like a kidney. Okay. Uh, Bill, you look like a liver. Uh, uh, Jonathan, you look like a hip. Okay. Now... If any one of you decide to stay home, we're hurting. 
Because I don't know anybody that can live without a heart or a kidney or a liver or, or a hip. So you can't say, I'm not needed at PIC. In fact, you can't say, I come to PIC for myself. That's selfish. You come to PIC because you're part of the family. You're part of the body. You're part of your needed here. Because God has supernaturally brought you here for a unique purpose to the body of Jesus Christ at PIC. And it's our job to help you to find your gift, help you place of service, help you to find out, are you the, the heart or the kidney or, or the liver in, 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 that, in that part? And so verse 16, you can't read it without understanding that you are needed. Can you say it? I am needed. I am needed. Save to serve. Everyone is needed and missed, if, if not out of the stands and working. No place for spectators in the body of Christ, the church. The pastor's job description is preparing or equipping. So Ephesians 4 says the work of the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We're going to talk for a minute about a Greek word, karatidzo, uh, which means prepare or equip. It's multidimensional. There, there's two aspects. There's, there's the, the negative aspect. It, it's, it's prepare. That, I don't think that's there. That's good. Just stay right there. That's super. Um, the, the, the one aspect is prepare. Um, in, in our football game, last game, our fullback, this bone right here was broken right in two and poking through the skin. And then our other defensive lineman, this bone, this shin bone, was broken in two and poked into the skin. Now, those are rare, those type of injuries. But it was, it was obviously painful, obviously a problem. And that's what the word here, it means, it means prepare. Uh, it means to set a bone. Uh, an orthopedic surgeon or a chiropractor. And so the pastors, the shepherds, need to help those who are broken in some aspect of their life and soul and put them back to health, step one. Step two, then we equip them. And that's the positive, <clears throat> the, the positive aspect of training, like preparing an Olympic athlete. So equipping is the multidimensional task of restoration of God's people, <clears throat> equipping them, preparing them, training them, and then getting the ministry done through them. What does that make you feel like when we say, the pastor's job is to get the ministry done through you? Well, you already got it up there. Not for the pastor's sake, but for the Lord's sake, for his church, for his kingdom, for the body of Christ. I think that, the, that what's holding back accomplishing the Great Commission is in most churches, the pastor is doing everything like the goalie, and the people have somehow lost their understanding of that they're needed on the team for the team to score points and be successful and accomplish the Great Commission. It's, it's, and I believe it. Remember I said the Grandfield Sharp? So I, I believe it's pastor-teacher, one person, but one aspect of the teacher part. I think sermons are great, but I don't think you make disciples by preaching. Now, that might be a radical statement, but that's, after 40 years, that's my opinion. That preaching is important, but it's limited to informational, inspirational, stirs the heart, and yet it's not truly effective to change lives. Preaching is just starting the people. It doesn't train or equip them. 
Therefore, we need something more. You need homework. You need to be, have something you're working on to prepare. You need loving accountability. The spirit's willing and the flesh is weak, but we need, we need help. We need on-the-job training. How many of you have ever taken a class in swimming? Ever had a class in swimming? How many only sat in the chair, listened to the instructor, and went home? You would say, that's crazy. Nobody would learn to swim just in a classroom. And that's the same way with doing ministry, changing lives. Life transformation never happens in a seat. You have to be busy doing things in your life. So it's not just the teacher part, but the second part, if you would look at your, if you would look, um, the role of the pastor is the, the coach, the, the shepherd, um, which is the other, other Greek-related word between pastor and shepherd. The, pa- the, the, the pastor role is described as a shepherd. It's an agrarian culture. Um, how many of you have ever seen a shepherd? You've literally watched a shepherd with his sheep. How many have never seen a shepherd watching their sheep? Yeah, yeah. In America, we would call it a city slicker. Um, A person who's only been inside New York City or inside Chicago has never seen a shepherd shepherding his sheep. And so most people have no idea. In fact, if I say, what do shepherds do? What would you say the answer is? Okay, all right. Do you remember the Christmas song? The shepherds, they sit out in their field and watch by night. They play their harps. They wear sandals and robes and carry a staff. That's what a shepherd does. Hmm. That's not much. That doesn't really grab my heart. Uh, it's, it's an unpa- The shepherd comes across as a passive and a reflective term. It's a person who reacts to the needs and is always there for you. When I grew up in a commercial, when I was little, was the, the, little, the guy in the commercial, it was a Philip Morris commercial, and it was in a hotel. And the, the bellman in the hotel had this little hat on, his little suit, and when people would come to the, to the hotel, he would say, let me help you with your bags. Let me help you. Let me get your keys. Let me go over and push the elevator. Let me take you up the elevator. Let me unlock your door. Let me turn the light on. Let me fix the heat. Let me roll your bed down. Let me polish your shoes. Let me serve you as a servant. And sadly to say, that's typically what pastors' job description have wrongly been associated with because that's not the picture at all. In fact, rather than shepherd, I like the word coach. I like the word coach. Elton Trueblood, back in 1940, was the first person to talk about the pastor of coaches. What are some great soccer coaches that you know? Great, so- You know any great soccer coaches who are famous? All right, I'll tell you. Okay, tell me. Tell- who? All right, all right. We've heard some. <laughs> okay. Um, Vince, Lo- Vince Lombardi for football, Johnny Wooden for basketball, Red Arbuck, Phil Jackson. Um, all sorts of great, great coaches. What does a coach do? Coaches. Do you know what I do with my Coswift football team? I make them run laps. I then get down and say, do push-ups. I say, now do some sit-ups. Now do some jumping jacks. I make them sweat. 
and I make them get tired. I make them thirsty. And you know what I say? Do I take pity on them? Oh, you poor, I'm so sorry for making you so tired. I don't know. They say, no, faster, harder, quicker, push, push, push. Does the coat hate them? Does the coat hate you? No, he loves you. He wants you to be the best for the team and the best for yourself. A coach is a person that pushes people to grow. Tom Landry, Dallas Cowboy, said he defined a coach as making men do what they don't want to do so that they can become everything they want to be. Making them do what they don't want to do so that they can become everything they want to be, such as Super Bowl winners. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is so weak. How many of you have ever been on a diet? How many can you say, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak, right? We don't know. How many do exercise? You know you should do some exercise. And all those, all those necessities, necessities. We, we know we should do it, but we can't. So we need the coach to push us. In, in a sense, in, in a gentle sense, isn't that what parents do with children? You're helping them to be all that they can be. So, so the coach is motivated to, to help the saints to find the joy in serving. The happiest people, would you do me a favor? From now on until the rapture takes place, every time you come in, look for those who are smiling at PIC and look for those who are grumpy and crabby. And then I want you to ask, smiling, yep, he serves. Smiling, yep, she serves. Grumpy, nah, all he does is come to church. Grumpy, all he does is come to church. And so the critical, I have found in ministry that the biggest complainers are those that do nothing. The biggest complainers say, Pastor, you should love me and meet all my needs. Versus to say, I'm here to serve, I'm here to give. I have, I have got a coaching background, and I really love coaching kids. And so I, my son was oh, 10 or 11 years old, and I was coaching his team. And you always have kids that are good athletes and kids that have no coordination. They're going to be rocket scientists. They're going to be computer geeks. They're, they're just why God gave them different gifts than, than athletic gifts. But they want, they want to be out on the team. So we say, we say come on out. Be, be on the team. Um, and this, this little guy couldn't catch the ball. When he dribbled, it was off his foot. Um, he, when he'd shoot, it would be over the top of the basket. But after every practice, I took him to the side, and he did 100 repetitions. Now, when he was on the court, the boys would never want to pass him the ball. Because every time they passed him the ball, it would go through his hands out of bounds. So he only kind of shadowed the team up and down all season. Very last game, we said, we want Tommy to score. He said, Tommy, go stand underneath the basket. Don't move. We're going to get you the ball. So we got the rebound, dribbled it down. We passed it to Tommy. Tommy turned and caught it. Oh, we thought that was exciting. He turned and he shot it. And it went in. And the whole place erupted. And, and Tommy's face just, oh, he was happy. And he floated and skipped on the court. He was giving high fives. His mom was smiling in the stands. It was just fun. And that's, the, to me, the joy, the joy of coaching football, the joy of coaching as a pastor, the joy of coaching my grandchildren to know colors and numbers. I, I just love to help people to be and that's, and that's what a, a, coach, a coach gets so excited. The traditional pastor is different than the disciple-making pastor. The traditional pastor 
falls back into this servant mentality. He asks the people, what do you want me to do? What are your felt needs? What are your, what are your interests? And so the, the, the traditional pastor is not a disciple-making, equipping pastor. The, the equipping pastor has eternal, eternity first. And he listens to God's marching orders. Where in the Bible does it tell the church what they should be doing? Not how to do it, but what they should be doing. Thank you. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. The church exists for its non-members. The church exists for lost people. Did you catch that? It doesn't exist for ourselves. The church exists for lost people. So we want to be equipped so we can go out and reach lost people, to make disciples, to win the lost, to train and equip them up. Where does the Bible say to do it? Ephesians 4. And that's what we're looking at today. But this passage is resisted and not accepted. This passage um, says, Pastor, you mean to say you're not going to, to reach to, to uh, uh, my needs uh, in, in the process? And so, so we struggle. We struggle with it. Again, what is the coach's job? To make people do the things they don't want to do so they can become everything they want it to be. In the, in the spiritual realm, it's, it's to be, it's to be for, for Jesus. Number three, the role of God's people and the ministers. Who should the coach equip? Should the coach equip other clergy or ordained? No, Ephesians 4.12 says to prepare or equip God's people for the work of service and ministry. You are called, you are ordained, um, you, are, you are in ministry. The role of the saints is the ministers. Um, my goal is to transform the church. Next one. My goal is to transform the church from a group of spectators being led by a minister into a group of ministers being led by a pastor. That is radical. Did you catch it? Do you understand it? Can you, can you feel it? So on my bulletin in my last church in America, it would say the pastor, Kent McKinnon. And it would say the ministers, the people of the church. I did all I could to empower people to be in, in ministry. I believe the Bible teaches that, that all believers are empowered for ministry, to preach, to baptize, to do communion, visit the sick. They're qualified to do all ministry. In the Great Commission, ministry is sharing your faith with the lost, training new believers to share their faith, and then leading intentional discipleship small groups. If I said, what, you say, Kent, what does ministry look like? It's winning lost, training them to win more lost, and training them to be disciples and keep it going and going and going. That it would be my condescension of what ministry is. How many of you say, I want to be a minister? How many of you like to wear ties and coats? Some of you would say, I don't want to wear a tie and a coat. It's hot. It's stiff. You're in air conditioning. Um, how many of you say, I, like, I want to do ministry is doing weddings, funerals, and sermons? Some of you would say, I don't want to do that stuff. I don't want to be a minister. If, it, if it's to dress in a certain way and have to do these kind of things, that, that, is, that, is, that is not who I am. But that's not what I think ministry is all about. Ministry gifts. Someday down the road, we, we, we want to teach you about how to find your own spiritual gift. 
but here are the different gifts, the gift of helps. I think those that came and sat in the front, probably I would, I would check first for the gift of helps. They were willing to sacrifice their comfort to come and sit up here, and I really appreciated that. Gift of administration, gift of teaching, gift of encouragement, gift of giving money, gift of leadership, gift of mercy, gift of evangelism. These are gifts that God has given to equip the body to win the world. Do you know what your gift is? Are you using your gift in the right place? Are we maximizing your use and lifting you up and building you up at PIC? So I, I want to help the saints to find their spiritual gift, to equip, to train, to deploy, to fulfill the Great Commission. So I want to say, come out of the seats. Come on out. Come on out and start serving Jesus Christ. Number four. The church leaders must guard the Great Commission to make disciples. In verse 14, it says, infants no longer toss back and forth. And so we can see that heresy, errors, deception, all those things, unless our people become solid and mature in the Word of God, they will stay infants and they will be open and susceptible to heresy. That's why we must teach you the, the, word, the word of God. We must keep our eyes on making disciples or, or get distracted. We can chart a course. And, and this, is the, this is what I've noticed when I, was at, when I was kind of supervising pastors and churches. We would read a book. And we would say, okay, now this year we're going to do this. And then we'd read a different book. And so you'd say, next year we're going to do this. And they, 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 they charted a course but they never stayed on the course. And I think the biggest problem is immaturity in the body and personal agendas. Everybody wants to please themselves instead of please, please God in, in, in the, the, uh, the direction we go. So we have the self-agenda church. And, and, and what do I get out of it? And I, I would go preach at different churches in the self-agenda church. They were sick and dying. They were down to 20, to, well, 22 people in America is a very small, and they were all uh, 70 years old. Uh, they, they, they had quit reaching out to lost people. Uh, they had basically said, just take care of us until we die. And that was the whole, the whole mentality of the church. It, it was literally a sick and dying church. But God's agenda says, what can I give and, and what can I do for Jesus? In the local church, we have people called consumers. A consumer is a person that's just out for themselves. It's opposite of God's, of God's agenda. <clears throat> Consumer Christians hate words like dedication, self-denial, commitment, work, sacrifice, duty, responsibility, accountability. They don't like diet. I'm sorry. If you, you don't, I don't know if you're a consumer. Just because you, did, you raised your hand, I don't know today if you're a consumer Christian. Um, but they like easy, fun, quick, sweat-free, sweat pain-free. They want it easy. They don't want to come and work. They don't want to give up Come and serve Jesus more hours, more, more days. Give up money, give up time, give up, give up seeking wealth and, 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 come, and, and come and serve and, and reach the Great Commission, accomplish the Great Commission. Consumer Christians struggle. So, so ladies and gentlemen, at PIC, we don't want any confusion. God has called the leaders of PIC to equip you for the... We are to equip you for the, who's the pastor? Richard, who's the ministers? We are. A little louder. Say it like you're convinced. Who's the pastor? Who's the ministers? All right. 
That's our calling. That's our passion. Number five, the church needs to be a healthy, <clears throat> growing environment on your, on your insert. Verse 15, instead of speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up. It's a progress. Effective coaches create winning environments. They restore and revitalize people. In disciple-making churches, people are growing and developing, and everybody is active in an area of ministry with matching spiritual gift and passion. I want to challenge you today. Start serving Jesus. If you're serving, continue to serve. If you're not serving and finding the joy, then let us help you find a different place for you to use your gifts. Now, in Kozwe, we put our hand... So, we're ready. Are you ready to go play the game? Ready to get out of the stands? Yeah. All right. All right. Put your hand all together in the air. One, two, three, Jesus. Ready? One, two, three, Jesus. Stand up. Let's pray. In conclusion, I want you to, to see. I have one, one, more, one more thing up there. Um, today, I'd like you to, to be a disciple who signs up. I'd like you to sign up and talk to the pastor and the shepherds about learning how to share your faith. I'd like you to sign up for life-changing, intentional disciple-making small groups. And I'd like you to sign up for spiritual gift identification and ministry development. How to share your faith. How to do disciple-making small groups. How to find your gift and use it in ministry. The pastors and the shepherds would love to help you. Come and ask us. Father, we just thank you for today. Father, if there's someone here who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they're, they're not on the team. They're on the outside. They're, they're literally in the stands, separated. If there's someone here, Father, that uh, has not trusted in Jesus Christ to wash their sins away, to bring them then into a relationship with God, um, that it's not religion, it's relationship. It's not churchianity, it's Christianity, Christ in us. And so if there's anyone here that does not have Christ in their heart, that today that they would ask him in, that they, that they would turn to the person on the left and right and say, how do I become a Christian? And that we would be able to help them. Father, if there's any today that are serving uh, out there, they're that 10% that are exhausted because they're just doing the goalie's job. They're doing everything. Father, we ask that you would uh, help them to find their gift and serve in their gift area for joy and passion and for accomplishment. And that the rest of us, the 90% that are not serving, that we would step up and say, okay, I want to help, but show me where. Show me what my gift is. Show me where the place of service is. Show me, show me where I can make a difference. Show me where I can be a heart or a liver or a kidney or a hip. Show me that I am truly needed and wanted and, uh, and uh, to help PIC to be a church that accomplishes the Great Commission in Poznan and around the world. Father, we thank you for how clear and simple this is. Now I ask, Father, the leaders of this church would be obedient to carry that command out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we stand or be seated?